After being introduced to Seattle's ninth head coach in franchise history yesterday, Mike McDonald is working feverishly to fill out his staff, and the Seahawks look to be going outside the box with offensive coordinator options. Who is in the running to call plays on offense for the Seahawks? We'll be breaking it all down in our latest Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on Blue Friday by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks have taken care of their first major order of business this offseason, hiring Mike McDonald as the new head coach. Now, the first-time head coach has to fill out his coaching staff, including the offensive coordinator job, a ever-so-important offensive coordinator job. We're going to be taking a look at some of the names that have come out and emerged as potential options for the Seahawks and why it looks like they may be thinking outside the box, adding their play caller on the offensive side of the football. Plus, it's our first free agency Friday of the 2024 offseason. We're going to be looking at Seattle's own free agents. Which ones are we buying to come back and play for Mike McDonald and which players likely will be sent packing ahead elsewhere. It's going to be a jam-packed episode coming your way courtesy of LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. Mike McDonald was introduced on Thursday as Seattle's ninth head coach in franchise history. Much excitement with the defensive guru taking over for Pete Carroll, now the youngest head coach in the league. This is his first time being a head coach at any level, however, and now he is tasked with maybe the most important thing that a head coach has to do when they take over a NFL team. He's got to build a quality staff, a lot of names being thrown around, particularly at the offensive coordinator position. And interestingly, Nick, we're not seeing the names like Frank Reich or Eric Bieniemy, some of these coaches that have a lot of experience as NFL play callers. Those are not the names that are being thrown out. Instead, we're getting a lot of outside-the-box candidates. Yesterday, Ryan Grubb, I talked about him a lot on the podcast, certainly looks to be a front-runner right now in consideration for this play caller role. But we're not seeing the traditional names. And this seems to be where Josh Snyder's going. He said yesterday he's looking for people that can change the marketplace. And he looks to be doing that on offense with coordinators as well. Well, I know Ryan Grubb, I think, is uh, among the fan favorites for obvious reasons. You know, he wore Husky, you know, purple and gold and <clears throat> was a, is a Kalen DeBoerite pretty much and has an offensive line background, coach quarterbacks, assistant head coach with DeBoer. Um, in, in Washington. So obviously that is an attractive one. And we were talking before the show, he's he's had some just bad boys, like bad you-know-whats in the offensive line for UW. Um, so having that be part of the Seahawks mentality again, which would be, which would be awesome. The one I am um, you know want to talk about mostly today too is Albert Breer reported saying that the Seahawks had interviewed Lions pass game coordinator Tanner Engstrand. And he's a San Diego guy, so I'm in <laughs> automatically. Um, he's uh, he's already so he, he's been the passing game coordinator 
the last two seasons for the Lions. And obviously the Lions are a hot topic, you know, hot commodity as far as the coaches go. Ben Johnson opted to stay in Detroit. Um, just looking at the stats, I mean, we kind of went over it with Ben Johnson, you know, fifth in points per game last two seasons, fourth in yards per game, uh, top four in yards per game last two seasons, eighth in passing uh, 2022, second this year. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown turning into a star, Sam Laporta having a fantastic rookie year. Jared Goff went from, I don't, I don't want to say, I mean, he's kind of an afterthought really um, with with the Rams, you know, kind of a throwaway in that trade to, to the Lions to becoming a true you know, franchise quarterback again, which is which is good for him. And seeing that and, and see a guy from that tree, I know it's not Ben Johnson, but a guy of that of that um ilk, I guess. He's already been an offensive coordinator, Corbin, as well. He was the offensive coordinator, I believe, in 2019 for the DC Defenders of the XFL. So he does have coordinator experience in professional football. Not all these guys can say that. Yeah, that is still a feather in the cap. I mean, some of these other coaches that are being thrown out there is Candace. I mean, Ryan Grubb is a great coach, but Ryan Grubb has never been an offensive coordinator in a professional football league. And so I mentioned this yesterday. I do have, you know, some slight reservations. Is his offense going to be able to work in the NFL? But the other thing that I think is worth noting with him is he has shown a lot of adaptability throughout his college coaching career. When he was at Eastern Michigan, Eastern Michigan is not a football mecca by any means, but he had two offensive linemen when he was the offensive line coach there that were drafted in the NFL, which is pretty remarkable at Eastern Michigan. They had a top 10 team and the fewest sacks given up in 2016. He had two teams with Fresno State when he was with Kalen DeBoer, their first go around together that were in the top 10 for fewest sacks allowed per game. So this guy knows what he's doing with offensive line play, clearly can coach quarterbacks too. What he did with Michael Penix the last two seasons, nothing short of remarkable. So I think when you look at his track record at the college level, there is a lot of reason for intrigue. But, you know, you mentioned a leap of faith yesterday with Mike McDonald. Josh Schneider and Mike McDonald both would be taking a major leap of faith going with somebody like Ryan Grubb, at least in the case of Engstrand, who you mentioned does have that experience being a play caller in the XFL. That's more than what Ryan Grubb's got as far as pro experience. You are talking about a guy that's been around Ben Johnson. He's been, and this seems to be big, the culture aspect. Mike McDonald is from an organization that is very similar to the Seahawks. They talked about this ad nauseum yesterday and I think Dan Campbell's running a very similar ship in Detroit right now which it's crazy because we know the culture was a huge problem in Detroit for like three decades but Dan Campbell has completely changed that and turned that into one of the best most positive cultures in the entire NFL it's resulted in them getting to an NFC championship game and, and being one of the best teams in the NFL so to get somebody that has been in that culture, been immersed in that culture, and does have experience as a play caller in the pro ranks at least, not the NFL, but in the XFL, that I think makes him well worth a look. And I still think T. Martin is going to be a name that's going to unless they are just sold on Ryan Grubb. Martin being the quarterback coach for the Ravens, a guy that has been with McDonald the last couple of seasons on the same staff has a prior relationship with Geno Smith as well. I think that he is still a name to keep a very close eye on here. Yeah, and I really like T. Martin. I think that that would be another great hire. Obviously, yeah, Lamar Jackson turned into another, what we assume is MVP season as he was the quarterback's coach. Um, and yeah, you like that previous relationship, that comfort. Um, and so T. Martin is, I, I would say T. Martin, Ryan Grubb are probably the two 
you know, if I were to put Vegas odds out there, um, I would put them towards the top of the Vegas odds at this point. Um, another, you know, there, there's, there's, there's names out there too, that I kind of threw out on Twitter or X, whatever the heck it's called now. Um, uh, you know, yesterday, just names that are kind of those up and comers in that similar situation where they're not offensive coordinators, but they're in that, that proper culture, proper, you know, um, you know, stability and, and offensive explosion. You got, you got Clint Kubiak, past game coordinator for the 49ers. You got Ben McDaniels is another name. I know that I just, I searched his name on Twitter or on X, whatever. Um, and he was, he's the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Houston Texans. And I searched his name on X and there are a lot of fan bases that certainly wouldn't mind their team looking at him for a role on their offense. He seems to be a name that maybe is a year early, um, but seems to be a name. I mean, obviously if you're attached to the Houston Texans, especially on offense this year, um, Bobby Sloak, you know, in, in that system, uh, you're going to, you're going to be popular. So Ben McDaniels is another name and then maybe another outside the box, maybe a year early, you know, no offensive coordinator experience quite yet. Another name that, that I think is worthy to watch. Obviously there's those holdover names too. Um, but I do like this direction of maybe thinking outside the box, maybe going a bit off the beaten path to find the right fit. Yeah. They're looking for fresh ideas. And again, that's how John Schneider summed it up yesterday with Mike McDonald, that they are looking for coaches that are going to change the marketplace. And I think that it's evident they are looking for offensive coordinator candidates that can change the marketplace. Now, flip side of that, if you get the right rising young hire, you might only have that guy for a year, but that's kind of the territory that you got to deal with when you have a defensive head coach. So we'll see what ends up happening here. Maybe somebody like Eric Bieniemy or Frank Reich ends up being in the mix too as an experienced play caller. But right now it looks like the Seahawks, they're looking for that ascending coach that has been great in the college level or has been a great pass game coordinator that is ready for that opportunity to coordinate an offense in the NFL. Coming up next, Mike McDonald has taken over the Seahawks as the ninth head coach in franchise history. He's building a staff and he's also got to figure out which players that he wants to have coming back. We are going to kick off our free agency Friday series with Seattle's own free agents and we're going to play buy or sell. Who's coming back? Who's not? Don't go away. We're going to start on the offensive side of the football here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. There's the 2024 Nissan Rogue, the perfect vehicle for city drives and great escapes. Class exclusive Google built-in is always updating your assistant to call on for almost anything Gone are the days of connecting your phone, Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. It's the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. Or you could try out the 2024 Nissan Armada. will change what you expect from a full-size SUV. Picture a rugged 4x4 that can seat up to 8 in first-class luxury and style. Tow bigger and explore further in the 2024 Armada Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada, and go find your next adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. 
You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host here on Blue Friday, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s. Thank you for listening in and making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Mike McDonald has taken over as the ninth head coach in Seahawks franchise history, introduced yesterday at the VMAC in what I thought was a very impressive opening press conference. Not the press conferences win games, but certainly was an impressive debut for him in front of the 12s, in front of local media. Really excited, as he said, juice to take over this position. Looking towards free agency. This is another thing that now Mike McDonald and John Schneider are going to have to work together on. Obviously, John Schneider now has full personnel authority, but the head coach is still going to have input on this. And that is particularly the case on defense. We're going to be looking at 10 free agents, pending free agents for the Seahawks here. Five on offense, five on defense. And we're going to play a little buy or sell. Who do we think is going to be returning and which players are going to be playing elsewhere in 2024? Starting on offense here, Nick. Not as many big name free agents for the Seahawks on that side of the football going into this free agency cycle. But there is a big man in the middle, a four-year starter in Damian Lewis that is set to hit free agency. And considering the lack of continuity Seattle has had in the rest of the interior offensive line, it is a strong possibility that Mike McDonald is going to be telling John Schneider, we need to find a way to get this guy back under contract. Yeah. He hit the nail on the head with that you know, lack of continuity. I'm going to go by here. Um, only he had a bit of an uneven year. Um, you know, he, he only Charles cross allowed more pressures than Damian Lewis in the pass rush. Uh, 57.9 run blocking grade, a lot to be desired. Had a significant drop off between this year and last year. Um, he's gotten a little bit worse, you know, in some areas from year to year from after his really solid rookie year in 2020. Um, but I think there's enough there. He had stretches this year where he was the best run blocking uh, lineman. You know, when they were really struggling to run the ball, he actually was <clears throat> still kind of steady in that. Um, so it, with unless the Seahawks feel very comfortable with the free agent class or, you know, uh, uh, the draft class and guard. I think that they should bring him back. I'm going to go by here to keep him. Um, he, he's not going to break the bank. He's got the familiarity. I know that's going to be a new system, um, but at least the familiarity in the locker room with teammates, with a few coaches. So um, I don't think you let him walk without some sort of contingency plan in the interior, but I do like the continuity there. I'm going to go by. Yeah, I'm going to be buying on this one too, because Mike McDonald's coming from the Harbaugh coaching tree is it's a plural here where he has been around coaches that love to run the football. I expect this offense is going to be very similar, regardless of who they tab as the next offensive coordinator. I mean, even Ryan Grubb from Washington, he likes to run the football. He's been a run game coordinator at multiple spots at the college level. So they're going to be bringing in somebody that wants to be able to get a balanced offense and run the football. So you need to have a really good blocking guard on both sides of the ball there. And even though Lewis has had up and down PFF grades, you look at the numbers last year. The Seahawks averaged over five yards per carry when they ran behind the left guard. There's a reason for that. It's Damian Lewis. So I think they've got to do this from a continuity standpoint. It's going to cost some money, but I think you're still looking at a young guy that's still an ascending player. Get the right coaches there to really bring out the best in him. So I think he's going to be bought here. Let's go to the tight end position. Seattle could potentially have a completely new tight end group because Will Disley's been discussed at cap casually, and I think there's reasons for that that are obvious, $10 million cap hit, but he's not a free agent. Noah Fant is, former first-round pick, 
And he has flashed in brief spurts. He's put up some quality numbers, 12.9 yards per reception last year. The problem has been there haven't been enough touches in his direction. He just hasn't been a huge part of the passing game. He's improved as a blocker. I'm really curious to see what the interest looks like for him because the numbers haven't been there, but he is a first-round talent that's still in his mid-20s. So I'm just wondering what the market is going to look like for him, particularly with whether or not Seattle wants to bring him back. And no offense, always been one of those guys that passes the eye test. He's He looks the part of your athletic tight end that you want in the modern game. A decently uh, willing blocker. There's certainly a receiver first kind of tight end. Um, what's crazy, yeah, zero touchdowns this year. And uh, Zach Charbonnet had more receptions than than Noah Fant, which you presumably your number one receiving tight end. That is wild to me. Um, so obviously it's going to be a new system, so it's going to be a little hard to gauge like, oh, they didn't use tight ends because it's a whole new era in Seattle. Who knows? Maybe tight ends will be the signature thing on offense. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it kind of depends on who they hire as offensive coordinator. But I'm going to go sell here on him just because I think the price point might be a little off and you know there's it's there's a good draft for tight ends and i think there's another opportunities to 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 maintain that position but no fan and i i agree with you maybe he doesn't want to come back with the fit i don't know and it really depends on who they bring in but for now sell yeah i'm gonna be selling this one too mainly because i just anticipate with the seahawks cap situation that he isn't going to be a player that what it's going to be required to bring him back cost wise is going to fit into the budget with some of the other things that they're going to be looking to do, especially on the defensive side of the football. So I think they're going to be starting over to an extent at the tight end position. Let's go back to the offensive line. And to me, this one is real quick. And this one depended so much on who the coach was. If Ben Johnson became the Seahawks head coach, Evan Brown would have been bye, bye, bye for me. I would have been saying he's coming back. He played for him a couple of years ago in Detroit, but I don't think he fits what they're going to be trying to do offensively here with Mike McDonald coming in and whoever his offensive coordinator is going to be. And, oh, by the way, McDonald's at Michigan when Olu Olu Timmy – well, Olu Timmy came a couple years later, but he has that Michigan tie. So I think Olu Timmy is going to be the guy. I'm selling hard on this one. Yeah, maybe if Engstrand comes, there's a chance there. I'm going to go sell too. I liked him as a stopgap center. Um, along among the offensive line, starting offensive line, he actually had the best pass blocking grade efficiency. Excuse me, pass blocking efficiency. Run blocking was spotty at times, but yeah, I think it's Olu Olu Timmy season, as they say. I think you drafted him for a reason to bring him on as uh, you know the starting center of the future. So I think this is the year of that transition where you let uh, Olu um, earn his way and, and get a chance to be the starting center. There's also a decent center class in the draft. So I think they could maybe in the later rounds add another player there that can at least compete for a depth position. Maybe if you're looking at guard, you know, maybe it would make some sense to bring Evan Brown back because he has started at both center and guard. But I think right now, probably on the outside looking in, going back to the tight end position, Colby Parkinson, he has been an interesting case study the last few years. The numbers haven't necessarily been there, but he's gradually gotten better. He also was a top 15 blocking tight end this year, which if you go back and you watch the film, other than the holding penalties, I agree completely with that. He has just, it's been a light and day difference since he first arrived in Seattle and he was really just a large glorified receiver. This guy has become a really good tight end, but I look at the fact that he has been the third tight end for Seattle. And I think he's a guy that is going to be a lot more affordable to resign than Noah fan. He doesn't have that first round pedigree. And I think he really loves playing in Seattle. He's a homegrown guy. I think that this is a buy for me. You don't want to completely 
go in with a new tight end group. And I'm just looking at what the Ravens have done over the years with their tight ends. And it feels like Colby Parkinson could be a player that has some breakout potential on a one-year prove-it deal here with a different offensive coordinator. Colby Parkinson, the next Mark Andrews confirmed. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the Seahawks are obviously a little tight on tight ends with Fant and Parkinson set to be free agents. Like you mentioned, Disley, possibly a cap casualty. And yeah, Parkinson was a great uh, blocking tight end. He would be yeah a lot cheaper than Fant. Pretty much all that you said. 11 first downs, you know, over 200 rush receiving yards last year. Um, two touchdowns, which is two more than Noah Fant had. So I'm going to go by. Um, I, I do... If, if you're going to totally revamp the roster on tight end, I think you'd like to keep one holdover and a guy you drafted, Kobe Parkinson. So I'm going to go buy. Yeah, I think we both are buying on this one. Wrapping up our offensive players, another offensive lineman. And this is one that I actually had to think about a little bit just because Phil Haynes has had some injuries. I don't think that he is going to be expensive at all to bring back because of that on another one-year deal. He's still a relatively young player. He's played both guard positions. So it may sound like I'm talking myself into re-signing him. I think that this is a player that is maybe a 50-50 proposition. It depends whether or not they believe that Anthony Bradford is the guy at right guard. If they have some reservations, bring Phil Haynes back to compete. I just have a feeling that Phil Haynes is going to be looking for a change of scenery this offseason, though. I think this is a guy that's got some talent. If he can stay healthy, there are going to be some other teams that I think will be willing to take a flyer on him. So this one, to me, is more about the players seeking an opportunity than the Seahawks not being willing to bring him back. So I'm selling on this one. Yeah, me too. I mean, his biggest issue has been health. Pro football focus grades are all in the 50s. And if I'm, certainly if I'm keeping Damian Lewis, and yeah, you mentioned Anthony Bradford, who I still have high hopes for, I'm going to let Phil Haynes walk and have him seek an opportunity elsewhere. When we come back, we're going to switch gears to the defensive side of the football. We've got five defensive pending free agents for the Seahawks, and we're going to keep playing buy or sell here on Free Agency Friday. Who's going to be back playing for the new coach? Mike McDonald and his coaching staff. Don't go away. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by LinkedIn Jobs. If you're like me and you've been hiring for a small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When I was managing a site at SI, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions to land top candidates. They made the process easy and seamless. We've dollars Seahawks using LinkedIn. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is so easy that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive. It's quick. It's easy. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedInNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedInNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is also brought your way by DoorDash. Why root for your team on an empty stomach? That is a game day travesty that ensures you won't be cheering at your very best, especially during the big game coming up in a couple Sundays. Order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites. Right now you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order on the DoorDash app with the code LOCKED23. When I'm kicking back and watching the big game with my friends and family, 
I got to make sure to order Jet City Pizza, my favorite gluten-free pizza place in the Seattle region. And there's got to be a two-liter root beer and some cinnamon sticks for the rest of the party. DoorDash makes that process incredibly easy. So I don't have to leave the comfort of my couch for delicious, great-tasting food before and after kickoff. If you're ready to satisfy your taste buds on game day, quench those cravings with your favorite local restaurants via DoorDash. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Downloading the DoorDash app and entering the code LOCK23. Subject to change. Terms apply. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. It's your host, Corbin Smith, joined by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks out there to each and every one of the 12s. Thank you, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We are in the midst of our first free agency Friday of the 2024 offseason. Now that we know that Mike McDonald is the head coach for the Seahawks, he's building a staff. We're getting more clarity on the direction of this franchise entering a new era. It's time to look at some pending defensive free agents, and we're going to play some more buy or sell here. Who we are, are buying to come back in 2024 to play for Mike McDonald and who we expect is going to be playing elsewhere and unlike the offensive side of the ball Nick there's a lot of big names on defense that are heading towards free agency and there's going to be some difficult decisions especially given the cap constraints the Seahawks are currently dealing with let's start here with the linebacker position Jordan Brooks one of three veteran linebackers scheduled to be a free agent an incredible comeback from a torn ACL, played in all but one game this past season. He gutted out an ankle injury late in the season. This is a guy that has incredible competitive desire. He hates losing. This guy strikes me as somebody that Mike McDonald is going to gravitate to, especially because he's an athletic sideline to sideline linebacker. Similar to Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen in Baltimore in McDonald's defense. So to me, this is the easiest buy. Now it's going to be expensive to an extent, but this guy should be a building block for this defense moving forward, in my opinion. Yeah, I know everyone wants Patrick Queen. I know that's the easy answer with uh, Mike McDonald coming over. But I, in, in this scenario, I'm, I'm I'm choosing my my keeps carefully, um, and you know buying with with some some cap space as well. But in this scenario, I, I think. There, there's no way that they're going to be able to afford Patrick Queen and a certain free agent I want to bring back. So I like Brooks. I, I do. Um, even after an uneven year, some of it, you know, out of his control, battling back from an ACL injury, which in of itself, I think we'd still underappreciate what he did there. Um, few other nagging issues, but still, dude had 111 tackles, four and a half sacks, was still flying around the field. So maybe hopefully another year um, under his belt with the new, you know, repaired ACL, get get healthy otherwise as well. And yeah, Mike McDonald, I do think that that's a pretty good fit. I know everyone's thinking Patrick Queen, but I think Jordan Brooks could be a similar kind of centerpiece and you know, go find your, you know, your, your Batman and Robin kind of thing that they had in Baltimore. Let's go to the defensive line now. And this is maybe the biggest question mark going into this offseason as far as free agency goes, because Leonard Williams came over as a pretty expensive trade piece from the Giants. You gave him a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick for him, and he played really well. Even though the Seahawks struggled in the win-loss column and on defense, it wasn't because of Leonard Williams. He played really well, four sacks, a bunch of quarterback hits, had his moments against the run, too, frequently in the backfield. Everything about his production and the fact that he's still only 30 years old just screams, this has got to be a re-sign, a priority re-signing, yet – 
I think with Mike McDonald being the selection, I think they would have gone a little different direction if Dan Quinn was the head coach or some of the other defensive coordinator candidates they were looking at. Then I think Leonard Williams, it would have been an easier decision for them to make this re-signing. But something tells me that Mike McDonald is maybe going to prioritize some of the other positions on defense, including linebacker, a little bit more than some other coaches may And I'm just wondering if this ends up being a situation where the Seahawks just get priced out and they aren't able to bring him back and they try to get a cop pick back in return. Yeah, I absolutely understand that scenario. I see that scenario. This is where we differ. It's going to be tough. The the Seahawks have said as much about resigning him. Um, The only reason why, in my opinion, what the Seahawks shouldn't resign Williams is if somehow the Ravens let Justin Matabuke loose, which I don't see happening. That would be crazy. Um, This would be, I, I think... He talk about building blocks. Bring the big cat back. Find a way. Cut. You know, I was doing the you know over the cap cat you know, over the cap calculations. If you cut Adams, Diggs, and Disley, you can afford Leonard Williams <laughs> with the cap with the cap savings. I know it's not quite that simple, but you know, restructure there. I don't care. Find a way because he's so extremely valuable. He finished fourth in pressures, Corbin, after he came back from or after he came via trade. So it, it, versus you know the rest of the teammates with a full season with the Seahawks. In just 10 games, he had the fourth most pressures, um, you know, great pass rushing grades. I mean, he's just he's an all around fantastic defensive lineman, great against the run, very balanced. I know that there's that's going to be a price point issue or maybe a fit issue, perhaps as well. But, um, you know, they don't have a dollar store full of these guys. I mean, Leonard Williams is a star in this league and along the defensive line, and it would be really tough to see him go. So I'm going to go buy find a way. Our next one was maybe the toughest decision that had to be made here on either side of the ball. And it isn't just sentimental reasons. Bobby Wagner was a second team all pro this season. And I'm of the belief he was, he was deserving of that. I know there are some twelves out there that think it was more about name recognition, but I mean, he had 183 tackles to lead the NFL this year. And he was 11th in average depth of tackle in the NFL, according to pro football focus. So it wasn't just making tackles eight yards downfield, Nick. He made a ton of impact plays, 11 tackles for loss. He had three and a half sacks, flying all over the field, still an outstanding run defender. But this one is really tricky with Mike McDonald just because of the type of players that he has excelled with at linebacker. And maybe he wants that veteran leadership that Bobby Wagner provides. That could make this happen. But I am reluctantly going to sell on this one just because I don't see them re-signing Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner in this scenario. Maybe the price point ends up working in a favor. If he wants to just play in Seattle and it's a one-year fairly affordable deal with incentives, it would make some sense. But I think that there's going to be some scheme fit issues here, unfortunately. So I'm going to go sell on this one. As much as I hate saying this out loud on this, the 10th anniversary of the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, he's the final holdover. 183 tackles last year, top tackling grade on the team. I, I have to sell. Yeah, I agree. I just I think we're moving towards a new era, a new future for the Seahawks. And, you know, in this day and age, you got to have a linebacker that can be, quote, dual threat, you know, as a linebacker, you know, be stout against the run and also cover in space. And that is something that he struggles with right now. And I think Mac, Mike McDonald can probably agree to that assessment. You know, he saw in Baltimore, you got two off ball linebackers who can pretty much do it all. And I think that he would be really, really wanting to find that kind of Batman Robin, like I mentioned with Jordan Brooks and have that kind of dual threat linebacker off ball where you can cover the pass, especially I I like how this is kind of building up towards fighting against what the Seahawks have in their own division with the Niners and the Rams and their offenses. 
You got to have a linebacker that can do it all against those guys. And, you know, if this is 1980, give him a four year extension. I don't care. You know, he's he's got that kind of, you know, throwback uh, you know, ability. But in this day and age with Jordan Brooks coming back, I'm going to go sell. Unfortunately, we're going to wrap up here. We didn't have any restricted free agents on offense. We've got two notable ones on the defensive side of the football so real quick, this is obviously a little different in the sense that the Seahawks have the ability to match offers for restricted free agents, but we're looking at different types of tenders. Let's start at the edge rusher position with Daryl Taylor, and there have been flashes. When he has flashed, it has been really bright. We saw the end of the 2022 season where he had six and a half sacks in the last five games. I mean, the guy can be dynamic off the edge. The problem is you can go 10 games where he barely does anything and he hasn't improved as a run defender. So the question you got to ask yourself, you're Mike McDonald, can, can a coaching staff that I put together unleash this guy's potential? Or is this something where, you know what, you've had three full years, I'm just not sold that he fits my scheme. In my opinion, I don't think he fits this scheme. I think they're going to be looking to add more length and they want to be able to defend the run. They want physicality. I just don't think Daryl Taylor checks off the boxes, even for an original round tender. Maybe you can bring him back at a lower price if nobody else has interest. But this screams a, a mismatch as far as fit, in my opinion. Yeah, I know Mike McDonald said he's not committing to like a super specific fit or you know scheme quite yet. Um, and he's smarter than me with this, so he would know better. But um, he, I just Daryl Taylor doesn't do enough well for me. He was fifth on the team in pressures, but teams were straight up targeting him in the run game. Only Reek Woolen and Derek Hall, the rookie, had worse run defense grades. Than, than Daryl Taylor. So he just, he doesn't quite fit that, that mentality. I would imagine he, he uh, McDonald coming from Baltimore seeks. Yeah. And the other restricted free agent real quick. And this is a name that isn't, you know, it isn't the big star name, but it is one that I am going to be buying on here for a couple of reasons. I think Reek Woolen is going to be back, but I would not be surprised if there are teams that are calling about him as far as trades go, because this last season was just disappointing and there seemed to be some disconnect. Now, Mike McDonald's going to look at the athleticism. I think he's going to say, hey, I can make this guy a superstar in my defense. But he also really loves gritty, physical corners, kind of a Byron Maxwell type guy. And that's what Mike Jackson is. And oh, by the way, an original round tender is going to be just over a little over two million. And to me, for a guy that could potentially start for you, I mean, have him and Reek Woolen compete again. Woolen's got to show that he can win that job and he's willing to tackle. Mike Jackson will go up and hit people. So I am buying this one all day long. Keep Mike Jackson around because to me, he's kind of that glue guy and he can play special teams. I just think Mike Jackson's a really good guy to keep around at that price point when he could be competing to start potentially. Honestly, for me, it was between Leonard Williams and Mike Jackson. I know that sounds really weird, but just like with how it fit in my head of you know where, where the pieces are going, Really solid season. I think, you know, I, I am choosing to believe in Mike McDonald salvaging and, and improving with Reek Woolen and li liking what he can work with there. And I thought Trey Brown came on nicely as well. You have that in the, your back pocket. I think there's enough there where you don't necessarily absolutely need Mike Jackson. It's desperate. I think he had a fantastic year, and I would not shock me at all if he goes somewhere else, if the Seahawks do let him go and he succeeds. I'm going to sell, unfortunately, just frankly, just because I ran out of space. I ran out of I ran out of bias because Mike Jackson had a solid year. He deserves to succeed wherever he goes. We shall see what happens. We're just a little over a month away from the start of free agency. So we're going to start figuring out where things are trending here sooner rather than later. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51 Subscribe and follow Locked On Seahawks 
on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up on Monday, we should have some updates on where things stand on Mike McDonald's coaching staff. We'll start dishing out some grades on hirings and much more. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.